0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Greatest Games podcast on the Blizzard. My name is Marcus Speller, of course Jonathan Wilson is with us. And also with us in the pod today is Uli Hess, author, journalist and editor. He's written extensively on German football with books that include Tor, the story of German football, Bayern creating a super club and building the yellow wall, the incredible rise and cult appeal of Borussia Dortmund. Uli, a pleasure to have you in the pod.
1: Nice, Hi, I'm honoured to be on
0: the show. We're honoured to have you. Um, Today we go back to May 1986, the promotion relegation playoff second leg between Borussia Dortmund and Fortuna Köln that ended 3 1 to Dortmund. Willie, why have you chosen this game?
1: It was probably the most emotional game I've ever, you know, I ever saw. I mean, I was at the ground.
2: We're probably going
1: to talk about that. I was standing right behind the goal. Uh, where Dortmund Scott deciding goal of what was well we're gonna talk about it in a minute anyway. But it was um uh, really for um I I was twenty years old, so it was just an immensely emotional moment. Um again we're gonna talk about why in a moment. And it's also already about, the emotions are coming up. I can see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's uh you know, I've done I've done a quite a fair amount of interviews after my after my Dortmund boot. And um um, I was often asked about, you know, what, what what's the biggest Dortmund game you ever saw? And whenever I whenever say that, you know, which is, I mean, everybody of my age would probably say that. You know, of course, it was the Fortuna-Cologne game. And, you know, people who don't know the club very well will always go and say, wow, that's such a... Well, they don't say nerdy, you know, but they say, well, that's such a, a fans thing to say, yeah. you know. It's not the cup win in 89. It's not the, the Champions League win. But well, my reply is obviously, well, none of that would have happened, yeah. You know, without that that terribly hot day in nineteen eighty six, and, and you know, I wouldn't have written the book because Dortmund would never have become, you know, such a such such a big club, you know, or that uh, people outside of Germany even would be interested in it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a game that I had no idea existed, Jonathan. You know. The history of Borussia Dortmund, I think, starts around ninety six, ninety seven, <laughs> <laughs> and certainly when it came to to my attention. I mean, did you know anything about? No, this I have to say, I didn't.
3: Um, and I, I sort of, I, I've now, I've now sort of created in my head this very sort of romantic image of German football in the eighties. In that every clip I ever see of the Bundesliga in the eighties, a the aesthetic I really like, and I guess mm. just because of the age I was at the time, so you have a slightly uh, tight shirts, slightly short shorts with kind of blocks of colour you know, this that's when I first started watching football so it, it always is going to trigger something in me the style of football is a style of football that's sort of, again it's something that, that I understand on a visceral level rather than an intellectual level and this is yeah you know, the drama of this game Um, but I guess every time I, I watch clips of German football of the 80s I'm always watching the important dramatic bits so it seems like this fantasy land of incredible exciting finishes every season which, which is sorry, which is another funny thing about that, Jonathan is, I mean,
1: you know, I, I lived through that decade. You know, I was, um, I, I think I probably saw
3: every Dortmund home game in that decade, and and I hated the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> they were god awful. <laughs> well, I mean, so, something I, I kind of I was really shocked by, and, and I'm, I'm sure we'll get onto the reasons for this more, but I couldn't believe that the the average attendance at home for Dortmund that yeah. season was just over twenty thousand.
1: Yeah, absolutely, which is another reason why I picked the game. Um I always say and this is not meant as a, this is literally my the way I remember the 80s is there's a slight drizzle uh there is about a very empty south stand quite a few of the people standing there are rather unpleasant. And we're losing one 0 against Wolfsburg. That's, that's the 80s to me, <laughs> yeah. because because most people don't know that. But we, you know, Dortmund were fighting against relegation through most of my early years as as a match going fan. Mm. And oh. that that was another thing that changed on that day. Um, I, I I did a German oral history book about the club, talking to fans, and very very many of them say that this was sort of the day that turned things around in terms of, you know. When people think of Dortmund, they think of, you know, it's this tradition-laden club with a fantastic ground and it's always had this fantastic support. Mm -hmm. And that's true in a way, but the numbers were, like you said, the attendance wasn't very good. You know, it wasn't wasn't every game was sold out. But it was after that game when, we're going to talk about that, when it became quite apparent that we could actually lose the club, Um, that that things changed. And uh, there was a deciding game. A playoff game, a third game, and a lot of people told me that this was the first time when they you know they got into their car they you know with the scarves hanging outside of the windows, and they were driving down the motorway and suddenly they noticed how many Dortmund fans were traveling to that game, which was at a neutral ground, so they, they that was sort of for them the starting point of Dortmund having this immense way following
3: so i mean very very briefly, can you sort of fill us in on the history that obviously we know Dortmund. It had European success in the '60s. So what had happened between them? you know winning, winning the Cup Winners' Cup, and 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 now. No, sorry, I say now. I mean 1986.
1: Yeah, I think it's a combination of, um, in in the wake of those, you know, big successes in the '60s, which because I, I was too young to see that, my brother wasn't, isn't. My brother is twelve years older than I am, so he was there for all those triumphs. He was actually one of the. He founded. The first really big Dortmund fan club, and he was um, actually I probably got into the club because um, as a kid I would ask my mum where is where is Klaus, you know, where is my brother, and she would say, you know, I don't know, he's traveling with Borussia Dortmund. <laughs> that sounded, I don't know, I, don't, I didn't know what it meant, what it meant, but it sounded great, you know, it was traveling. But I didn't know that he was traveling in the second division, you know, <laughs> to you know, to, to villages or whatever. Um, so it was a combination of. The classic combination of mismanagement, uh, Dortmund being stuck with an old and and not very comfortable ground at the time, you know, the building of the Westfalenstadion, that was another major turning point for the club. It was also that, you know, Dortmund are based in the Ruhr area, and and I don't know, I don't know, think the north of England, you know, steel and coal, and there was lots of economic crises in the 60s and early 70s, so football in that region generally fell by the wayside you know, Schalke got
3: relegated. And um, I mean, Dortmund was relegated it. in 72, is that yeah, right? Yeah, 72. And then and they Blayden's... came back in 76. Yeah. Yeah. And and then, so they've been in the Bundesliga for 10 years, and then this season is, is a very difficult season. Yeah. It had been, it'd been kind of close a couple of times before, but this, this year was really, really close.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> and I mean, look, looking at the fixtures, looking at mm-hmm. the results, there seems to be wildly differing scorelines. I mean, they scored five against Erdingen uh, and, and Köln but they conceded six against Bochum and Schalke so it, it seems that yeah. when they were good they were really good but they were also capable ah, of being well, bad and they won away
1: by Munich really yeah. uh, we, there was um, you know it's it, 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 the, the season as a whole was tremendous you know we got, we got to talk about the way how Bayern won the league you know when uh, Bremen were just one penalty kick away from winning the league on the penultimate day, and uh, and they hit the post, and then they lose. It was also sort of you know that was the point when most German fans thought, you know, um, forget about football, I hate this, you know, Bayern Munich are winning every year, and but they they lost at home to Dortmund uh, during that season, which was mm. um yeah yeah it was uh, another another funny way well, funny another strange aspect is that we were coached by Paul Schoenae that season, the Hungarian. He came in, in at, yeah, he had quite a big success at Bayern Munich but he was probably the most dortmund like coach i've ever seen you know um you know he was famous for wearing a silk scarf um he, he tended to be a little on the arrogant side you know um having had a reputation as being you know tactical mastermind having you know he was one of the pioneers of zonal marking germany and having won all those titles with bayern mm. so um but early when
0: you say that he was a very un like coach, are you saying that with 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 Dortmund thinking about them in in the modern era now, or are you thinking you know back then? No, at the it? time it was.
1: Right. Um, um, well, he was a very sophisticated man, a very cultured man. Even coming to a club in the Ruhr area, that was you know probably fighting relegation, and mm-hmm. that was um having a crippling deaths. That's another backdrop to the whole story. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, two years before, in late '84, we had um, more than eight million marks, were more than eight billion marks in the red, which is a ter, you know, terrible sum at the time, huge money, mm-hmm. and uh, there was always kind of threat that Dortmund would actually have their license revoked, you know, because in in Germany we have the system that you know, if you're financially unstable, um, then um, you're not granted a license for for the season, you know, so ahead of every season you have to open your books and just you know explain your finances to the league
0: yeah they had a they, when i was reading about this they had um, an emergency ceo brought in dr reinhardt i mean it, it showed you that it was quite desperate times for dortmund at this time
1: oh yeah i mean i mean the reason that it was really desperate was um that the club just flat out lied you know about their finances uh which you know, it seems just, very,
0: un- well, un-sort of Bundesliga-like, but certainly on un- Dortmund like as well. Because reading about this, it, it just really clashes with what we know with modern-day Dortmund, which is, of course, the whole point of you choosing this game around that time. Yeah,
1: but, you know, this was long before, you know, the big television money. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, and, and Dortmund was, was was a pretty poor city at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, the,
2: you know, I mean,
1: basically all the clubs from the Ruhr area were struggling financially, you know. Schalke Duisburg, Bochum um, so um...
0: would Dortmund have
1: survived
0: if they'd have got relegated Would the club financially that, that is
1: that is a good question that is the mm-hmm. thing nobody knows i mm-hmm. mean um uh, a couple of players were already leaving we knew uh, yes i think we were fa- i think it was already i mean the goalkeeper ikim you know the germany goalkeeper uh, he was in talks with stuttgart and he later left we already we knew that um The guy who eventually scored the deciding goal. The hero. Yeah, the hero. (laughs) That uh, he would play for Schalke next season. And nobody, you know, the feeling was not that he's a traitor or anything, you know. I think most people felt, hey, we're getting 1.5 million marks for him. That's good. (laughs) You know, we need him. Um,
0: He tells it a different way, though. He does, yeah. Yeah. He he says that uh, the fans were booing him and it spurred Ah. him on and so on. But of course, that's maybe looking at it with rose-tinted spectacles. I mean, it's it's remarkable, Jonathan, just hearing about Dortmund. Because I mean, I know clubs have histories and obviously, you know, you think about an obvious one, say Manchester City, how differently their history's been and you don't even have to go back that far. But for a club that were kind of on the brink like Dortmund, that is quite weird to think.
3: Well, it's weird that it then happened again. You know, the fact it happened, you know, well, 20 years ago as well. Um, the fact, they've twice come that close. But I, I don't know, you know, the, the, the more I sort of look back at the 80s, the more you, you sort of realise that although everything's the same, it's also incredibly different. And, and I think, you know, attendances are something that's really hard to process to us now.
0: You know,
3: I remember, you know, going to Sunderland Games, if you got 16,000, it felt like it was absolutely packed. This was a massive crowd. And if you ever touch twenty, that was incredible. And now, if it dips below thirty, even though we're playing two divisions lower, mm-hmm. you, you sort of say, well, "What's gone wrong?" Um, so, I mean, I don't know. The yeah, lower crowds across England in the eighties were, I guess, a, a facet of, of the economic reality that a lot of people just didn't have money, but also the fact that the grounds were pretty unpleasant places, both architecturally. Just, you know, the, the the facilities weren't good, and also. The, the threat of violence. So was that similar in in Germany, or really? was, was it? Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. I think
1: um, maybe people have this impression of Dortmund as always being so well supported mm-hmm. because because of the ground. Um, you know, when it was built in seventy four, um, um, I don't know if you know this story about the ground. Anyway, but it was um, um it was built only before because of the World Cup. You know, Dortmund weren't supposed to be a host city. Cologne were. And then Cologne, you know, opted out just on, on very short notice. So Dortmund were told to go ahead and build a ground for the World Cup. And there was no money. Uh, you know, the, the city was as poor as the club. So um, they um, they uh, built a ground that didn't really follow the rules for the World Cup. You know, there was, uh, there was very few seated areas. There was no running track, nothing. Um, but then... You know this English-style ground, um, that would prove number one very attractive. So people just loved it, and it was also during the eighties. as you said about Sunderland, it was it always looked full. You know, even if we had only twenty or twenty-five thousand, it was okay. You know, it looked like a decent crowd, really good. Whereas you know most other clubs had these huge grounds. You know, the Olympic Stadium in Munich was a total nightmare. You know, it, it, it's as you said for this book about um, um, this oral history book about Dortmund. We we of course we asked everybody about photos. Do you have photos? And some of those strips from the eighties to the Olympic Stadium. You know, you would think you would think a photo was taken like five hours before kickoff, and then you look at it and you realize people are playing on the pitch. You know, it's just empty. You know, mm-hmm. it's ten thousand in this huge ground. It looks very empty.
3: so um, you mentioned earlier the South Stand. So yeah, which 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 end is that when we're when the the camera that that the main camera when we're looking at this game we where which one is the south stand? Oh
1: god, this is a tricky question now because I think these days it's on the right end, uh, because it was switched around, you know. Okay.
3: Um, so okay, um, was the the goal the, the 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 end where the goals were scored? Which end was that? Is, in eighty six. In eighty six. Yeah. That was the south stand. Okay. The problem, the the, the confusing
1: thing is that um. I mean, when you look at the ground today, and when you can see, uh, when you, when you, um, no, today it's the left side. Sorry, okay, <laughs> it's this tricky. Yeah, it's because yeah. um, yeah, this is a very very good question from Jonathan because um, you get so used to you're watching football on television yeah. that you have this idea of a ground. Mm-hmm. So what they did in Dortmund was the press stand, the entire press stand, moved from one stand to the other. Uh, at some point, I think it was some point during the nineties, probably when they, um, you know, when they when, when the crowd when the ground was rebuilt.
3: Yeah, and the reason so, the reason I'm asking is that the the end where the goals are scored it looks absolutely amazing. It's completely yellow. Yeah, you know, the the atmosphere looks brilliant in there, and it, it sort of it instinctively watch because you know obviously watching Dortmund now it's at the wrong end. If you see what I mean? So I was wondering if whether. It had switched yeah. around, and you just answered that it, yeah. it has switched yeah. out all, okay.
1: all you have to do is, is look at uh, look at the benches right okay you know um in the old days, they would be opposite I, I mean on television you would look at, you could look at the two coaches yeah at the two two benches yeah. uh, the substitute benches these days you don't because the cameras are above um uh, above
3: the two benches, so did the South Stand have the same reputation then as the yellow yeah, yeah, wall has yeah.
1: now yeah, yeah, yes, it did, it was one of the um it was not as big as it is today, of course, because um, you know they added a second a second tier to every stand uh, during the nineties. Uh, but it was but it was a, a famous a famous status.
3: And I mean, and did Dortmund have the same sort of reputation for having this great support then, or is that a more recent development?
1: Yeah, as I said, um, um, this whole thing about having this tremendous away support, you know, that that kind of grew after nineteen eighty six. That people started really following the club in large numbers, you know. Um, um, but the South Stand was almost always, but it was always sold out. Like I said, I can remember days when you, you could quite freely walk around on the South Stand uh, and then run into people, you know, uh, <laughs> um, running into undesirables in the 1980s. Uh, <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah.
1: Um, yeah. But it was always, sorry, it was always, it was always the central the central, you know, the fan stand. The, the funny thing is, um, I don't know if any of you have ever been to Dortmund, um, The, which is one thing you should do, really. Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying this because of my club, because, but, but because of so many clubs are building new grounds now and putting them, you know, outside the city limits or whatever. And Dortmund is really, really very interesting because, number one, you can walk from the city centre
2: That's um, lovely when you to can the ground. Yeah.
1: And the other thing is that right next to the new ground, it's the old ground. Oh. It's where they used to play until 1974 and where they played all those games in the European Cup in the 60s. And it it looks ex- almost exactly like it did in the 60s. And it looks almost exactly the way it looked when my brother first went to a game in the 60s. So you've got these two grounds yeah. right really right next to each other. You yeah. know, the old one is still used for, for the reserves and for track and field and things like that. And, yeah. And in the old ground, um, um, the, the home support would stand in, on the north stand, where it was a curve, Actually, they would they would be in the north. So now they're building this new ground right next to the old one, and it opens uh, a couple of months before the '74 World Cup. And suddenly, people are on the south stand, you know. And and everybody I talked to confirmed this. You, could, you, you can also watch it, you know. You, you can see the footage. The game opens, uh, The sorry, the stadium opens with a game friendly against Schalke. And from the first day on, the Dortmund fans are on the south, on the south stand. Which is strange because the north and the south were exactly alike. You know, one of the reasons the ground was so cheaply built was there was sort of, you know, it was, uh, I don't know how you call this, but it was an identical ground, you know, everything was almost the same. And, um, it's, it's when you walk from the city centre to the ground, you naturally walk towards the north stand, so that it would be normal for for you know for the home support to be there. Um, actually, it causes always causes a lot of friction for big games, especially for derbies. You know th- that it's the other way around. You know the Schalke fans have to be escorted to the north stand, which is there's a Far wide open space right in front of the stand and everything like that. So we asked around, we asked people, why did you go to the South Stand? And nobody knew it. They all said, oh, that's a good question. It's a really good question. I never thought about it. I have no idea really. We just found one guy who had a theory and he said that Dortmund's biggest rivals are Schalke. They too build the ground for the World Cup in 74. (laughs) Their ground opened a couple of months before Dortmund's ground, and they went to the north stand, the Schalke (laughs) fans did. So his theory was that the Dortmund fans said, okay, if those guys are standing in the north, we're going to stand
0: in the south. It only takes one bloke to change it. <laughs> it? A match and suddenly history has changed forever. And, uh, all right. It
1: was probably it was probably a very boring German
0: technicality. <laughs> yeah. it was probably just, just a ticket allocation or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But, it would have been a sensible decision. We can agree on that. Um, all right, chaps, let's have a quick break and then we'll talk about the match, or matches, I should say, themselves. Welcome back to The Greatest Games on the Blizzard, everybody. Right then, so... Dortmund, uh, they had a bad season. They they finished uh, in the Bundesliga. They were they were third from bottom, which meant that they had to play the kind of relegation promotion playoff against the team who'd finished third in the second tier in Germany, which was of course Fortuna Köln. Um I, I mean, for all the reasons we've spoken about earlier, the financial reasons and and whatnot. You know, as a Dortmund fan, this must have been the last thing that—well, yeah, pretty much the last thing, other than being, you know, relegated automatically—that the club needed. They needed to stay in the top flight.
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, it was—I mean, when you look at the uh, at the final table, I think it was only two goals. Mm. We were just two goals away from safety.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to Yeah, but the way I remember, it was never really that close. I think. Frankfurt lost on the last day, but they conceded the goal very late. Mm -hmm. So it was never, we were quite early. We thought that, you know, 16th place, that's, you know, the relegation spot. I mean, what in German is called the relegation spot, which is not the relegation spot. (laughs) Um, I don't know. It's actually, we called it the relegation, you know, the games between um, those playoffs are called the relegation in Germany. I don't know why.
2: Uh,
1: And a lot of people have criticized the system, still do. You know it was introduced in nineteen eighty two um you know to not have an english styled playoff system you know with, with teams in the same division but you know having um Bundesliga clubs play against the team from the second division
0: the team from uh, the second division rarely wins if i understand correctly.
1: Yeah, these days it almost never does <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah
1: um which, which is one of the major criticisms mm-hmm. uh we you know the system was stopped i think it was introduced in eighty two we stopped about nine or ten years later, and it was reintroduced um, about ten or eleven years ago. And ever since, there's a debate about it. And number one is, of course, that people find it slightly unfair. You know that a team from the Bundesliga gets another shot. You know at, at surviving, um, whereas a team from the second division is denied. You play a really good season and you end up with nothing. Then a lot of people say. And there's some truth to it. It's really nerve wracking. Yeah. Especially for the Bundesliga team. You know, <laughs> yeah, one absolutely. team is really facing. You know, it's not like in England. If, if you lose, that's okay. You still stay in the same division you've been in.
3: Well, ex- except when, when they were introduced in England, uh, it was the third to fifth teams in the division below and the third bottom team from the division above. Okay. So in 1987, okay. when Sunderland were relegated to the third division for the first time, uh, they were relegated in a playoff, they played Gillingham uh, in the semi-final, they lost three two down at Priestfield, went back to Roker, won three two, went to extra time, and they won four three and were relegated on away goals. Which Limey. is which know. is one and, and away goals don't even count in the playoffs now in England. Yeah. So I I think some of are the only team ever to have been relegated on away goals. Tony Cascarino's yeah. got a hat trick. Um, but don't 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 get me started on private grief. No, no, it's, it's interesting <laughs> because
1: because we have to talk about this because it was, you know, it's 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 not only that we were lucky that the system was in place. Um, it's well at that time I think I think there had been four playoffs and the team from the second Bundesliga had won twice, so we weren't you know it was still quite you know it was. We didn't consider ourselves overwhelming favourites, but we thought we're the Bundesliga team, you know? I mean, let's be honest about it. Who are Fortuna Cologne, you know? So.
3: Mm. Well, and they've had and a then- very poor end to the season. So, with six games to go, they had a game in hand, but with six match days left, they were top of the table. They then took uh, one point from five mm. games. They beat Bayreuth 6 0. And on the final day, they were 2 0 down against Karlsruhe. Got it back to draw two two, and still only got finished third to get in the playoff because um, Cassell lost lost to Bayreuth. So you know
1: more about it than I do, because well, I've done
3: a modicum of research this morning. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, presumably Fortuna Köln was sort of thinking oh, we shouldn't even be in this. We should have got the automatic yeah. promotion. Mm-hmm. Probably, yeah. 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 Well, the, and, I mean, the, and the, it was the also first, sorry,
1: sorry, just because Jonathan mentioned that, of course, yeah, and um. The away goals didn't count, yes, which would turn out to be very, very important. (laughs) Um, I think I think it's just because you know one other thing about this whole relegation promotion playoff is that so much is on the line. Even more so today, of course. And it cannot it could all come down to an away goal, or as it sometimes did later, a penalty shootout. You know, people find that very, very unfair. And maybe I, I don't really know, but maybe that is why when it was first introduced. Um, um, the lawmakers said we're not going to have the away goals rule, you know. Um, so if if teams are level on you know points and goals, then it go to a to a,
3: a Well, Sunderland have also failed yeah. in the playoffs with an own goal, <laughs> and twice they've lost on penalties. So, yeah, yeah, you know, the whole lot. We we, we we've 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 you know, we, we've had our playoff hell. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean the things like that they. They Probably sound like a good idea, you know, when somebody brings it up. And then I, I, you know, I was at the game when Liverpool won the UEFA Cup against all of us, you know, and you watch it, and the game ends on an own goal,
3: yeah,
2: yeah. the golden think, goal,
1: yeah. And you think, you know, this is not right, yeah, you know, no, um, this is somehow not right,
2: and um, well.
0: The powers that be like to tinker with uh, the rules and structure of football this season, no exception, of course.
2: Uh, although we're,
0: we're sort of <laughs> yeah. trying to to keep that at arm's length. Uh, but but going back to the, the, the playoff games, Fortuna they, they they host the first one against uh, Dortmund. Uh, big attendance, forty four thousand there, and they win two nil. Yeah,
2: they so move, it's a strong the start.
0: Game,
1: you know. Um, mm. Another thing about this this relegation playoff is that. Um, a couple of years earlier, I think it was God, I think it was four years earlier. We played Fortuna Cologne in a, in a cup semi final, you know, which was a really really big thing for Dortmund to reach a cup semi final. And you know, we traveled to a second division club, and I remember sure. that on the way, yeah, you know, on our, on the motorway in the car, we were all talking about um, the cup final, you know. Uh, gosh, Dortmund have never been in a cup final as far as I know. Mean, you know, for I mean, for us, you know. Yeah. As uh, as as kids, and then we can actually win something. Imagine that, you know. And then we go out and and we get five. hammer five and one, at <laughs> the second division team, you know. And now four years later, there's a chance, you know, to we've got the chance for revenge, you know. So I I remember I was fairly optimistic because I thought we were the Bundesliga team, you know. We had Germany goalkeeper, you know. I I came like was, um, I, I think, I think there was always. Uh, I think there was a problem for him because the, the national team were traveling to Mexico, had to travel to Mexico without him because, because he was playing the promotion-relegation games, you know. Um,
2: <laughs> well, it shows you. Um,
1: and and then Fortuna Cologne, they moved the game from their own ground to Cologne FC's ground, to a bigger ground, you know, to get more people in, to get more money in. And, and, and I thought, this seems like, you know, what a dumb idea, you know. I thought... They should stay at their own ground, you know, where they beat us 5-1. Now they move to their rival's ground. And I thought it was, I felt it was sort of like, you know, an admission that they were the underdogs, you know, sort of like in the cup game, where you would think, oh, we're probably going to get knocked out, but let's make as much money out of this as we can. Mm-hmm.
0: So, so was then, it then doubly surprising that they won the first leg? for some
1: reason, I don't know why, I wasn't at the game. Mm-hmm. My brother went, and he came back, and he said getting relegated there's no doubt we're getting relegated we're awful they beat us 2 nil. could have been 3-0 forget about it so that's when i first thought oh god this relegation promotion thing is you know not going to be as <laughs> easy as
2: i thought um it's the semi-final all over again yeah
0: <laughs> well the the second leg which is of course the the main game in question today was at the the Valen Stadium. Dortmund didn't move that. Why would they? And where on earth would they move it to? Perhaps the old stadium. But it was a big attendance in there. And as you said, really, this is when maybe the the people of Dortmund came out to support their team. But I mean, it's a big attendance. And going into the game having lost the first leg 2-0, people couldn't have been that confident. Especially, you know, going on what your brother said as well.
1: To be honest, I don't really remember how maybe maybe we thought you know two goals that's possible, you know, because as we said as I said, the away goals rule was not in effect, you know, so we knew we had to be, win by two goals to to you know to get to play playoff. I can't really remember what i rem- what I do remember very clearly is that w- with ten minutes uh, with barely ten minutes gone, I was thinking, my brother's right, we're getting relegated it was um because the the um we were really, really nervous. I remember that. Uh, I do have um, I, somewhere. I, I mean, the footage of the game is not in wide circulation um, for a lot for many, many years. You couldn't get anything because it was um, it was on a private station. Um, you know, the game was shown on a private station at the time. Yeah. Um,
0: I have seen the goals, and I have to yeah. say the the opening goal was it was a lovely one um, from uh, uh, from. Yeah, the uh, Grabosch. playmaker Grabosch. Grabosch, yeah. yeah, who who scored, of course, in the second one. But you're but you're right. It's yeah, um, there was, but that was not easy before, to find. So. That was
1: even before the goal. I mean, mm-hmm. even before the goal, you know, the opening stages, which just were very, very, very nervous, um, and and from that point on, you know, it got worse with every minute, you know, <laughs> um, and, and then as you said, as you said, uh, they took a lead. I mean, if you, what I was going to say is that sometimes you watch a game
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then you go back and watch it on television and it's a totally different game. <laughs> and it took me really years to find that. And actually I think I think I paid money for it on eBay. Um right. somebody who taped that on videotape, you know. And not many people had video recorders in the in the, the mid eighties. So yeah. and I and I watched the game and it was pretty much the way I remembered it. Uh, so very, very nervous beginning. Got and lost you know, we're constantly losing possession, and, and the players were really, really nervous. And that's, you know, that's when an uneasy feeling is creeping in. You know, when you realise that your guys are really nervous. Yeah, it's when you think, oh god, uh, this could be, this could be a close one.
0: Yeah, they, they went one nil down after 14 minutes to, to a goal from. Yeah, as to you to said, lovely goal.
1: Around. I mean, I think, I think he was surrounded by four or five players. Well, he scored a lovely goal
0: in the first yeah, leg, which actually yeah, was did. the one I think I was thinking of when I said that earlier. It was, it was, it was jinked yeah, in did. between the defenders. And then he, but that was still a nice one in, in the second well, leg. Well, it was just
3: a very precise finish from just outside the box, wasn't it? Just sort of hit it yeah. low left footed in yeah. the bottom corner.
1: And One thing, yeah. which I don't know if, you, if you've not seen it, if you've only seen the goals, I don't know what kind of footage you've seen. Um, it was years later, somebody told me, and that, that's one of the things I, you know, where you think, wait, wait a minute, this really happened? And and many years later, somebody told me that, uh, you know, just a couple of minutes later, it could have been th- two nil. Mm. And I said, "Yeah." And he said, "Yeah." You know, you, the, he said, "You, you, you know, Jörg Nein, the winger who later played for Glasper, he was one on one with our goalkeeper." And I couldn't really remember that. And then then finally, you know, which was one of the reasons why I bid money, <laughs> I bid money <laughs> for the DVDs, uh, and then looked at it. And it wasn't. It wasn't. I think it was after half an hour. It was. It was not he was one on one with Immel, but not in a central position you know he had a tight angle but you know people do score from that angle so and 2-0 that it would have been over at 2-0 um,
2: yeah for, i mean from the from the little you
0: can find about the game and and sort of reports and all that kind of stuff it seemed to be just get till half time for dortmund i because mean, as you say 2-0 down at half time maybe there's no way back but they got in at half time yeah it was 1-0 down sorry it was
1: also the feeling about half time was also because you know, not just for the general things, and you know, not regroup and you know, the, the manager was not no longer part Shannai at that point. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he'd been fired and replaced by his assistant. It was also because um because Jonathan mentioned that um well you have these silly things, you know, but I think a lot of people on the stand thought, you know, in the second half they're gonna play they're gonna attack this goal here.
2: Yeah.
1: And which is one of the things you know every Dortmund captain learns, you know, when he's given the armband, mm-hmm. that you know if you win the toss, you know, second half we attack the goal in the south, mm-hmm. uh, so with our, with our fans behind that goal, and I think a lot of people think thought that somehow we're going to suck this ball in, you know, somehow.
0: Yeah, uh, that's the that, and that's the term is that you you hear that about Liverpool players about the yeah. cop, famous and so on. he's he's just sort of sucking that ball into the goal, and that seemed to be you know the idea and i suppose Jonathan as well you know with the score lines the way it was it was like lads we've,
3: <laughs> we we yeah, have to attack there's now. nothing to lose is there, it? it's going there's yeah. no there's no sort of being careful about it it's just you, we have to score three goals and and so ander brugger comes on at half time um i mean I, you know, i the footage i've seen it's it's about 20 minutes you can find on youtube now which is shows sort of all of the last 10 minutes yeah. which is but a, it's, it's an probably, astonishing that's
1: probably, sorry that's probably the key that's probably the game in a nutshell.
3: Yeah, but um, well, I mean, the point I was, I was making was it's very hard to sort of make any tactical kind of conclusions from, from what changed. But yeah, Ander Booger came on for, for Huber. So a well, left winger for left back? Is, yeah, is that
1: nice? Yeah, Huber was
3: the right back normally.
2: Okay.
1: You know? uh, and, but what, I, what I was going to say is um, yes, so it's half time. And um, yes, as, as you said, we have to attack, we have to score three goals. And now we're attacking you know, the south stand, the the goal in front of the south stand. But the way I remember it, it's not as if, you know, the second half begins Mm. and, you know, we have one chance, one scoring chance after the other. It took a really, really long time. Uh, And the the equalizer was, um, it came from a penalty. Mm
2: -hmm. Um, Yeah. It was a
0: controversial, it was a soft,
2: well, you said equalizer.
3: it's it's a, it's a foul it's just a completely needless foul. Yeah. So yeah. Anderberg is sort of going across the, the 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 corner of the box uh and um uh he's just sort of it's it's it sort of just bundled him over but he could have if he'd waited a half a second Anderbig would have been out, outside the box. He wasn't going towards goal there was no need to make a challenge when he did. So I I, I think it it was a penalty. It was just totally pointless, one to give away.
2: Yeah. yeah, and
3: it was just you know, just barely inside the box,
1: you
2: know.
3: Yeah, well, yeah, he was in that corner yeah. of the box for a, 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 just as he went across that little little triangle, that angle. Yeah. That's when the contact happened. Which is it's,
0: it's so negligent. I mean, and it was on fifty-four minutes, so there's still a bit of time.
3: Yeah, and
1: they you think you know, God, this is you know, this is the break we needed.
2: Yeah. You know,
1: a kind of well, not soft, but you know, a kind of dumb penalty.
3: Yeah. yeah,
2: exactly.
1: Um, and then and Michael Zork that.
3: scores it. Who of course now is the sporting director and he a record appearance maker and everything. So
1: yeah, yeah. Well, back then the penalty was a goal for Dortmund,
3: right? Yeah, you know, because
1: Zork was just one of the greatest penalty takers I've ever seen. And, and the way you know the way he buried that, you know, he was still fairly young and God, oh, you know, I don't I don't even want to think about the pressure he must have been under. You know, <laughs> oh
0: yeah. he didn't show it though, did he? Yeah.
1: And then just just uh, I don't know, ten or twelve minutes later, we we'll make it 2 one,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: and um, one of the well, well, if you're not so familiar with Dortmund, you know before they became Dortmund, uh, <laughs> it was um, um, the second goal was a header from yeah. our playmaker. It was probably the first and the last headed goal you
3: know he ever scored. Really, because it's a uh, really good header. It's a it's a lovely yeah, one. Yeah, but he's. You know,
1: he's just barely taller than a player, you know? <laughs> but It's just a, so it's right.
3: a really nice goal. So um, uh, Simmer's the centre forward, sort of breaks down the right side into the box, sort of chops back, and it's one of those nice crosses where he's clearly sort of placed the cross. He's he's not, I don't know, he's what fifteen yards from Raducanu, Uh and sort of places it on his head. And it's just he looks like a, I mean, it's a proper sort of um, Tommy Lawton style header. Yeah, Is how it appears. Yeah. He sort of cranes for it, and he's got the sort of full neck muscles. The little bit of the sort of eighty sort of demi-mullet, so the hairs are sort of flicking, and he guides it into the top corner. It's, it's a lovely goal. Yeah, but yeah. in fact, it
1: was he was rather our uh, I don't know our uh, Glenn Hoddle or you know whoever. I mean, he was a he was a Romanian international uh, who deserted his country. You know, they they had um, uh, Romania played a friendly in Dortmund, and just after the game, he vanished. Actually, he oh. faked an injury, so he could get into the dressing room. And then ran away, and um, that's how he ended up in Dortmund. Uh, and he was a fantastic playmaker, you know, very cultured midfielder. And for most of my childhood, he was, you know, when I was watching Dortmund, you know, there was one footballer, and you know, ten guys <laughs> <laughs> trying to figure out what he was going to do, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he was always well, not always, but he was way better than most everybody else. And I, at, at, at times, I even, I even pitted him a bit, you know. I thought he, you know, he could play for a much bigger team than Dortmund, but he was so good. But now he was getting old. He was getting old. He would play only one or two more seasons for Dortmund, and then he scores a it You know, he'd never done that before, at least not that I can remember. Yeah. So then it's still almost half an hour, and you think now we're going to roll over these guys. You know, this is you know this is now we're going to, and we don't. You know, um, it was just. Game dragged on and on. And it's only those last, I don't know, 15, 18, 19 minutes when really the chances started coming. But well, I mean, the, the chances really it's
3: just, it is chance after chance after chance after chance. It's an extraordinary sort of 10 minutes, 12 minutes on that video where you realize you're watching it pretty much as live and there's the little yellow clock and it, it, it yeah. It seems to go up so slowly because there's just a chance every sort of 30 yeah. seconds, <laughs> and the keeper. I mean, the keeper ends up sort of being semi-responsible for the third goal, uh, Jureczki. Yeah, but, yeah, but he makes two were... absolutely oh. unbelievable saves. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there's the I I, I think it's Anderbrig, I couldn't quite see on the video with a with a volley, sort of a, at the back post. And it's a very sort of 80s save. It's the kind of save you never see keepers make these days. What is an 80s save? I don't, I don't know. It's just a kind of save that doesn't happen these days. He, I sort of know what you mean. I think it's, Maybe it's because he's dressed in an 80s way. So he's got that sort of, the the, the pale top, the tracksuit bottoms. And tracksuit bottoms were mm-hmm. such a German thing for goalkeeper from the point of view of, a, of an English kid. Yeah, they, they had that sort of glamour. Um, but but it, when I think of an 80s save, I think I think of goalkeepers stopping blocking boards with their feet. Yeah. Nobody no, does that no, anymore. That's, no, that's, that's a, a ninety save. A and, and a, an 80s save is, is, is somebody hitting a ball really hard and the keeper being maybe six or eight yards away and somehow getting a hand to it and flicking it over the bar. I can't say that Arcanada made all, this, all the time. And, and and this is one of them. He, he, you just never see saves like that. I don't know if it's because his positioning's wrong or something. but So sort of leaning back, hand goes up, flicks it over the bar. It's a brilliant save. And then the save from the header um, and again, I got absolutely no idea whose header it was. Simmers maybe from a position where he just sort of spreads yeah. himself and the ball bounces away off his thigh from close range. And presumably, Dortmund is starting to think this this just isn't going to go in. Yeah, yeah. what I remember most clearly are the corners. Uh, I,
1: I've never seen actually. I've never seen stats from the game, but as far as I'm concerned, the last ten minutes was just just one corner after the other. You know, um, totally incredible. And um, there was also, I, I also remember vividly thinking that f- I think after 75 minutes, they were just totally knuck at mm. Cologne, you know? Um, I mean, they were really, really good for large parts of the game, you know, for a second division side. They could really play, but at one point, they just stopped playing, you know, just, they were just belting the balls away. And of yeah. course, they came back rather quickly, and we won another corner, um, I think, five minutes from time. Wittmann hit the crossbar, I can remember that. Yeah. The ball goes out, uh, it's another corner, and literally seconds later, five, six, seven seconds later, Michael zork has a glorious chance. Lays it miles over. Yeah, it yeah. yeah. over the bar.
3: But I mean actually just before the, the volley hits the bar, there's a there's a sort of there's a move that's very similar to, to the goal, uh, where I think it's Anderbürger cuts in down the left, gets sort of I don't know, he's three or four yards from the line, drives it across. And um he pushes it out, and this time the substitutes Karl-Heinz Vietz, who, if if I understood the commentary correctly, was an amateur player. Is that possible? Yeah, could be. I mean, um,
1: what what we refer to amateur players is is normally the reserves.
2: Ah, uh, okay. At the
1: time, you know, the second team is nominally called the amateurs. Right. Okay.
2: So, um,
1: it was, so it was a reserve team player. Yeah, and
3: and he he sort of just gets um, there first, is able to clear it. Um. So. Well, look-
1: do you remember what, what sort of commentary you had or what, what you were watching on YouTube?
3: Because it, I mean, it was a German commentary. i got no idea. All, 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 all I can because... say to try and narrow it down is at the end of the first half and the end of the second half, it cut immediately to a guy on the touchline in a jacket very similar to one Julian Nagelsmann wore against Manchester yeah. United. <laughs> and he was straight away doing interviews. So he interviews Grabosch at the end of the first half. He interviews Immel and a couple of others at the end of the second yeah, half. Yeah, so
1: that's that's probably a, the original footage from from set one.
3: Yeah, the he, he's got sort of is, a, a big forehead and a sort of a little moustache. He's yeah. sort of a, which sort of starting to receive it. bit of a Svenio and Ericsson hairstyle. Calm down, Marcus.
1: Because because three three <laughs> things now add to the, the well, to the drama of it all. W- one is of course something I witnessed, and um, um, I I, I opened my book about Dortmund. With this game, with with the last minute, and because with Lars Reken, who um, eleven years later would score the winning goal in the Champions League final, and he, as a young boy, is standing behind the goal, and I was talking to him about, you know, we sort of, we were sort of comparing our, you know, memories of the game, and he could remember what I could remember, which was that at some point it looked as if people had left. On the south stand, because there were sort of gaps, you know. And you think, why, you know, why would anybody leave the ground, you know, with like, Dobbin just needing one more goal? And it turned out they hadn't left. People had sat down. People were yeah. not able to watch any longer. Um, and I very vividly remember that a guy was sitting down in front of me, and he had his flag over his head, and he was sobbing. You know, you could see his shoulders heaving. And he never saw the goal, of course. And there many, many, many people never saw the goal. So that was that was the thing I, I saw. Uh, then there was something somebody told me later, which was that um, there was German, uh, on, on regional German television, West German television, there was, uh, there was a news show at the time. And they, uh, at the end of the show, they announced that Dortmund had been relegated from the Bundesliga. Yeah. They said Dortmund for Tuna Cologne 2 1, and we're sorry to report that, you know, Dortmund have been relegated from the Bundesliga, and you know, but Cologne are a Western club as well, from the West Germany, from the Western part of Germany, and so on and so on. And the third thing is this television footage, which I only learned about years later, because as I said, I you know I bid for the um, uh, for the DVDs. And it was shown on private television and there were two Co-commentators to pundits, and the the guy who commented on the game, he introduced one pundit at saying, "We have with us a uh, former international, Rolf Russmann who used to play for for Dortmund, uh, so he's probably going to support Dortmund today." And our other pundit, uh, he's going to be more neutral because he's Adet Makama, you know, famous German coach who won the European Cup with Bayern. And at that point, Edna Kramer said, well, I was born in Dortmund. <laughs> you know." So he's sitting there with two puppets by his side who want Dortmund to win. And then, when you remember that, uh, the final move of the game starts with Dortmund at their own goal. You know, Eich Eamon has the ball. And at that point, the commentator starts welcoming Fortuna Cologne to the Bundesliga. You know, he said, this is now the final move of the game and now we welcome Fortuna Cologne. They will be like, I don't know, the other teams will promote that season. blau west nancy or whatever. And then while he's talking and talking and talking, you can hear Rolf Russmann getting agitated, <laughs> you know, beside him. And it's two pundits who yell when the ball goes in, you know? They realize that before before the commentator. Because he's doing well,
2: because he's So, so the goal
3: is, is Bunchstalk, the, the centre back who of course goes on to manage Hungary. So we you know we saw him at the Euros back in two thousand sixteen. He crosses it and then Sork and Simmers both, both flick it on. Comes to Anderbrück at the back of the box. He drives it across goal. And uh, he's
1: not, you know, Anderbrück is not, he's just knocking, you know, just, he's not looking up. He's not looking Yeah, he, he's no, driving it into it, the six
3: yard box. Yeah. yeah, it's
1: normally, but it, normally you would pull that ball back, you know, yeah. maybe towards the penalty spot or whatever. And, and then just, what, what, just, what I love
3: about it is, in this mayhem, at the end of this sort of incredibly protracted siege, Uretsky can't quite hold it, the ball spills loose, and it's the most apologetic finish. <laughs> that um the Wegman's gone slightly beyond the ball. He has to just sort of drag it from behind him with his left foot. And and it's a and very gentle contact. If it's enough. And,
1: and there's I, this moment where he's hesitating.
2: Yeah. And he, no, he looks that. he looks completely overwhelmed by
1: it. From the south stand and thinking, what's he doing? Yeah. You know
3: it's yeah. Um and I guess he's just making sure he gets a proper contact on the ball he 's not under any pressure there's no defenders there, and he he must have a sort of realization of if I get any forward movement on this this is this is in because he 's two yards from goal from the line mm-hmm, yeah. and then he he sort of seems almost overwhelmed by what he's done and you see everybody going berserk in the stands and you see the other players going berserk and it takes him a little while to sort of join the celebrations its it's as if he's sort you know the the realization of the enormousness of what he's done is just slightly kind of knocked him over.
0: I mean, that was... When that goal goes in early, Dortmund... It, you, watching the celebrations, I mean, and it's understandable, they've come back from the dead, but you would almost think it was a winning goal rather than an yeah, equalising exactly, goal. which
1: is another thing that... Um, um, Jonathan just mentioned this guy on the sideline, you know, with the... Um, I think he's wearing a heavy tape recorder, and he said, um, I don't know. Um, no, that's probably... That footage is probably not on YouTube, but um, he's trying to talk to people, and um, you know to the players and everybody, and you, you can sense there's a pitch invasion going on. You know, very slowly. It's not the sort of thing you know where I don't know final whistle and everybody storms the pitch. It's a very it starts very slowly, but suddenly more and more people, you know, are invading the pitch, and, and finally he gets to talk to the president, whom you mentioned Reinhard Raubal. Um, and they're doing the interview, and then right in the middle of the interview, Roval is being carried away. You know, people <laughs> just carrying it away. Um, and it's it's like you said, it's as if they've won the game. Well, technically, they've won the game, of course. Sure, but it was just they just lived, You know, scored a goal to live another day. But I think everybody at the ground felt that you know, this is it. You know, yeah, no and, and, and
3: then there's supposed to be the third game. I think four days later. And Fortuna curl managed to get it delayed by a week. They, yeah, they, they they claim they'd gone down with food poisoning or or a stomach virus or something. But the suspicion seems to have been they were just trying to kind of let some of that euphoria ebb away.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean they must have been really, really um they must have been devastated. You know. Another you you just mentioned the you know, everybody going it, the way I remember it um of course it's total nonsense, but the way I remember it the ball crosses the line and there's a moment of total silence. You know, it's really the way I remember it, that nobody's celebrating, total silence. The only thing I remember uh, is that all the all the de Cologne players, you know, fell to the ground. Oh. Uh, that's sort of the image I have of the next couple of seconds. Maybe it's just, probably just fractions of a second. But it just, you know, have that image of, you know, 11 Cologne players lying on the ground. Mm. And it's almost... Uh, I don't know. I, I think uh, I, I don't know if it was a ruse, um, or maybe they really had
3: it. Yeah, um, but anyway, it didn't help because a week later, <laughs> I was about to say they they play the game in, in Düsseldorf and uh, it finishes eight 0 Yeah. So finishes, what was but, the problem? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but incredible. Uh,
1: but the first goal was, came only after half an hour. You know when you, when, you, when you look at the score line, it's it's yes, it's it's Cologne nil Dortmund eight, but it was scoreless for half an hour, and it
0: was only one nil at half time. Yeah, and
1: it was only right before I think right at the start of the second half we scored two or three goals and they they just collapsed. And the funny yeah. thing about that is, you know, the first game, I couldn't go, but my brother went, and I forgot why. I think it may have. I think no, it can't have been the army. I don't know. It was twenty two. Anyway. He didn't go to the deciding... He had a ticket and couldn't go to the game, to the deciding third game, which was played in Dusseldorf. So I went with my brother-in-law. He's not the biggest of football fans, if anything, he supports Bayern Munich. (laughs) So, and I was... I was so relieved after that game, you know. Um, I remember sitting in the car with him and I was totally... You know, even though it was 8-0, I was totally nerve-wracked. And suddenly he goes... Well, that was quite a. That was kind of boring, wasn't it? <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: oh dear. Well, yeah. Eight nil. Easy peasy. And, and Dortmund stayed up, and and that was the uh, the first step towards their sort of modern history. You could you, you certainly suggested early.
1: Yeah, so many things. It was only I didn't know this at the time, or maybe I, I probably did. But um, we needed a. Re- of, of course, we needed a replacement. You know. Um, for Jürgen Beckmann, who signed for Schalke, hmm. and um, what I didn't know was that we signed Frank Mill, um, and who would turn out to be a very, very important striker for Dortmund, uh, one of the key players when they won the Cup, three years later, and he was sitting in the stands, um, you can see him, you know, mm-hmm. so he was sitting in the stands watching the game, and um, I wonder what he was
0: thinking. <laughs> yeah, he's thinking, give, give me half a chance, and I'll improve this a lot. <laughs> well, we, we have to finish there, but it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you about this, uh, and, a, and a very, very important uh, and perhaps largely unknown piece of Dortmund's history to certainly fans in uh, in Britain. Um, so, thank you very much for for joining us. It's, it's, it's been great. Thank you. Honey. Well,
1: it was, it was my pleasure. Thanks a lot. And now I have to go back and find those DVDs. Yeah, I've got somewhere. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, for more stories like that, do check out theblizzard.co.uk. Uh, but thank you very much for listening, everybody. Thank you, Jonathan. Uh, of course, uh, we'll see you next week.